Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Elkanen. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Uh, relatively quiet morning. We've got some stocks that are up, some stocks that are down. The indexes are mostly flat, down to flat, at least last I had checked. Uh, what's on our radar? We've got some new SPACs that are in play. We've got Kodak moving this morning. The government says that Kodak did nothing wrong with regards to their government loan for their COVID, whatever. I don't even know if anything came of that, but the government says they're on the clear. So Kodak's ripping here this morning. We're going to go through earnings, kind of a light earnings week. we got some names later in the week, but not much in the way of earnings today. Some ratings that caught our eye as well. Some offerings that caught our eye as well. And we'll get to our guest at 8.35. He is Gil Morales. He's the author of the Gilmo Report. It's G-I-L-M-O. Again, that'll be at 8.35. I uh, want to remind you all to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Joel, how are we doing this morning? Uh, we're doing well. Uh, no, not so well. If you consider the S&Ps are down 12 and a quarter. Uh, hit a new all-time high last night, 37.05, pre-market low, 72 and a quarter. Currently trading down 12 and a quarter at 85.75. Uh, crude. Have a problem staying in the 46 handle. We're down 39 cents at 45.87. Uh, gold green last week, giving back a little bit today, down 550 at 18.34 and a half. Silver loses the $24 level, down 49.3 cents at 23.755. And uh, Bitcoin just hanging out in the 19,000 handle up $290 and 19,390. Uh, good morning, triple D here. I was going to ask you about the late day sell-off, but Friday was so long ago. How about the after, after hour stock action and pre-market trading this morning? It's funny when you, you come and ask me on the weekends, how was the, you know, Friday after hours. And it's like, I'm so short term. It's so much short-termism in my trading that I'm like, I don't even really remember. I was like in bed this morning. I was like looking at the S&Ps down. I was like, I can't remember what I have on. I wonder what <laughs> I have on. And I get up here and I come up and, and go into obviously my office. And I'm like, oh, it's a big surprise. You know, so you see what you have on. And I'm like, oh, it's pretty good. I had a lot of tech stocks on. So I guess I'm okay. And then I look and I obviously I got the earning stocks on too. The ones that are going to report because I like to own them into, into the reports. So so actually, today is a pretty good day. Friday was a crappy day. Today is a better day. So far, anyways. I mean, anything can happen. The day is still young, but so far, so good. So right. to answer your question, not the tangent I went on, no, I don't really remember what happened on Friday. <laughs> it was, was a, a strong close. Ago. It was a strong close. We uh, we popped over thirty. We hit thirty seven hundred right on the nose, and then uh, we closed at ninety eight which we exceeded overnight. So just maybe just a little jockey in position in the after hours, nothing major, but uh, another week. Uh, also real quickly, I'll just note, uh, this is uh, coming up on uh, rollover week too, I believe. So we'll have a little bit of uh, shenanigans going on in the futures as well. So, but individual stock news. I mean, the SPACs, it's all about SPACs right now. And we talk SPACs. We've got the SPAC attack show. We talk SPACs on this show. It's SPACs, SPACs, SPACs. There is just so much news on SPACs every day. The Kramer, what I do remember from Friday, is the Kramer pump on another SPAC. And I mean, he is just single-handedly causing a SPAC bubble here. Um, it was, uh, so basically last week he featured four SPACs in the four days and jokingly, um, 
um, uh, Chris uh, from from Benzinga here was joking that you know maybe you should just buy all these packs. So you don't know which one he's going to feature, but whatever bloody one he features goes way up. And on Friday, this was the biggest move yet for one of those packs. So Friday night, and I'm just grabbing the actual one here from my Twitter feed because I get all the symbols confused. There's like a hundred of these things. And again, I already forget what's from Friday. But if you look, HCAC, look at HCAC. This yeah. was the one on Friday. So he featured this one. It had closed at 1345. It started running and running and running. And at one point in time, Joel was up 39%. It was up 39% because Jim Cramer was talking bullish about it. That's how much of a bubble we got going in some of these backs. That that a Kramer, that somebody in the media can pitch a stock and it'll run 39% on their pitch. And we saw it the day before, um, you know, with Laser, or two days before with Laser. And then there was another one that had run, but this one was just insane. I couldn't even believe it. My jaw was hitting the floor. I kept tweeting about it because it was up 16%. Then it was up 20%. Then it was up 25%. By the time the segment was over, it was up 39%. It's obviously up only 23% this morning. So whoever bought up 39% was paying up a little bit too much. But holy mackerel, I cannot believe that these SPACs can move this much just from somebody on TV talking about them. It's unbelievable. Is there a good availability to short these? No. No. I bet you I can't even get a locate on it. Some of them you can. I shouldn't say that. Some of them you can. Let's go see. I was scared, Joel. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even try to short it because I was scared. It's up 20%. Normally, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm hitting the bed. I've just seen the insanity that these things can do. Right. And, you know, if you were shorting it when it was insane to be up 15%, really, off a t- uh, if you go historically off a TV personality talking about something, something runs 10 15%, it's usually a gift to sell it short. This, I'm like, no, nah, I've, I've seen this play out, and these things can just get stupid. And it did, up 39%. So if you could have been really early on that. I just looked for a locate on HCAC. I did not get it. I'd have to go outside of my primary broker. I probably could get it outside my primary broker. Uh, but I, again, I'm just scared to short these things. No, and, that and, and that's sense. what makes the prices go nuts go too, Joel. That, that's what I wanted. You know to. what? That's what doesn't keep it in check either. Because you have people like me that would try to keep that price in check by shorting the stupidity of people just randomly buying because the TV personality buys it. And I'm like, I- I'm, I'm spooked on it because these things go so much further than you could think they would go. So, I mean, that's pretty much everything. When something starts running right now, I'm scared to short it because if Robin Hood grabs a hold of this thing, it could run a lot further than you think. So, I mean, that's why you see these insane runs on some of these smaller issues because you know what? Traders like me are scared to short. Yeah, it got got over nineteen. That must have been during the show. Got to nineteen ten. You sold off under sixteen bucks. Made another run at uh, the high. Got turned back at eighteen. So I'll use that as some if you're looking for a potential exit point. Eighteen oh eight was your high between uh, seven. You know the seven fifteen to seven thirty bracket. Uh, right now, just hanging out in the 16 handle. This thing could go anywhere. Former all-time high was 1450, so maybe that will be a support point. And uh, the, closed right at the top of the range. Did they announce that it was going to be on yesterday? Because it or no, on, on, no, no, they did no. Not. You don't see. So he hasn't been. The ones that are pre-announced typically don't go because they're too crowded. They sometimes run during the day a little bit. But if they like advertise that this is going to be on, you won't see as good of a move in those things. It's the ones that, you know, that are surprises. But, you know, but that's not to say that some people didn't know it. I mean, how tight are all the producers at CNBC? I don't know. I'm not saying they aren't tight, but we don't know that they are. There is other people that know that what he's going to talk about, it's pre-recorded by a little bit as well. So sometimes, you know, you, you never know. It did have a decent day, but SPACs, you know, we're not saying anything nefarious happening. We just don't know that it's not. Um, and I, I think Jim Cramer, I don't think he would be the one that would say anything. I can't see Cramer saying, oh, hey, buddies, I'm going to talk about this. Thing. I can't see him doing that. I don't know Jim Cramer on a personal level. I just can't see him doing something like that nah. because that's risk to him. Why would he do that? Yeah, the risk so, reward there. The risk, the risk reward, reward there would not make any sense for Jim Cramer. It would not make any sense for Jim Cramer. So, um, but that's not to say, you know, there isn't some, you know, new kid that's watching, you know, there's people watching this. There's a lot of people in the room. So you don't know. You don't know if that could happen. I, I don't know if it is. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It could happen. But in any regard here, the movement 
and that's the point the movement off of these jim kramer mentions or jim kramer features in this case are just as big as i've ever seen i mean i've traded the kramer trade for 20 years there this trade isn't new it's just new to having 39 percent moves usually if you go back like five years ago in the middle of you know what normal kramer times um where you don't have you know everybody just listening to cnbc for the next trading idea if you go back to normal times, you get a stock Kramer features that he just brings up. It might move three to five percent. It might even move six or seven percent. It ain't going to move ten percent. Thirty-nine percent. That's probably one of the biggest moves off a of Jim Kramer feature ever. And I mean, Mad Money's been running for over you know how long has Mad Money been going? Like Fifteen years. Long time. We're around there. Long time. Uh, right, want to continue on the SPAC parade, or oh, do you want to switch to your favorite say- stock, Dennis? I want to amend Dennis's oh. statement real fast. Dennis said it's all about SPACs, SPACs, SPACs. It's all about EV SPACs, EVs and SPACs. There you go. Mind Because we have entered the company announcing new business unit phase of the EV bubble. Uh, the one this morning is GTEC. That's Greenland Technologies, a Chinese-based manufacturer, China-based manufacturer of um, like transmission vehicles. And they have a Shiny new press release out this morning saying they're launching a new division, an electric industry vehicle division. And that's all it takes. <laughs> we went through the blockchain. You're going to see all these small companies just all of a sudden trying to get the EV bird oh, yeah. out there to jack their prices up. I mean, and, and obviously I don't know this company, maybe it's legitimate, but we've seen this happen, you know, time and time again, you know, three, four years ago was blockchain. There was something else in the middle of that. Oh, it was uh, anybody that talked about, you know, Corona vaccine or anything to do with, you know, the coronavirus. That was the buzzword back in April and May. Now the buzzword is EV. So any company is like, oh, what can we do about EV? Maybe we can get something EV going because that'll double our share price overnight. And it does. So this obviously got overdone. It got up to 1050 here this morning, just under 1050. It's pulling back here now. But who knows? Small company gets jacked. Everybody gets excited with the EV buzzword. So things are unpredictable. I'll, know, I'll tell you that. Uh, where are we trading at here? We're still trading firmly in the green here at 980, up three and a quarter. Don't know what to tell you about these things. Just pick a target. If you have a target, pick a target and stick with it. If you want to buy it, right now it looks like uh, like eight fifties holding up here in uh, GTEC. D- DJ Wired One is in the chat. He's thinking we need an electric vehicle vaccine. That's what we need. He's thinking. Can can some company come out with a press release saying we are launching? We have a vaccine and we're going to use EVs to distribute our vaccine. Oh, man, that would be just the. The game changer stock. <laughs> and so maybe it'll be Tesla. Maybe it'll be Tesla that comes out with the vaccine. Somebody do that. <laughs> you know what? Musk is Musk on the weekend had two positive tests and two negative tests. So maybe he's going to come out with a better test. Could you imagine if Tesla came out and said, look, they don't know what they're doing with this testing. Tesla's going to start testing people because we could do a better job of this. Because oh. he was really making fun of it on Twitter on the weekend because he had four tests and two were positive and two were negative or something. I don't know if that's true or if he's just you know just shooting off and, and making fun. But that was, was his tweets from the weekend. So I have a negative test too, actually. I got tested last week because I had a, a case that was fairly close to me. And uh, I was a little bit spooked because my daughter had the sniffles and she, you know, I was like, oh, I hope that's not Corona starting. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go get tested. So first time I got tested and they jabbed that Q-tip way up, you know, was last Thursday. And I just kind of kept it on the down low, but I got the result this weekend and I'm negative. So no coronavirus, which is good. Mike, Mike Fon said, too, that, uh, you know, put it on the blockchain, too. Put yeah. it on the blockchain with the, with the virus. And have some EV going on, and that's a billion dollar idea for some little ten million dollar company right now. That's how crazy this market is for headlines. Headline driven market, and the headlines are looking. The headline traders are looking for EV. There is algos written looking for anything EV. All right, we want to stay on uh, the speckiness. Or I think you... so. I think okay. we can talk a Keep few going. more. I mean, I mean, we could do. Yeah, we we don't want to run into. Uh, uh, you know what they're going to cover on Mitch's show, but I'm sure there's going to be uh, oh, Mitch, more Mitch, news be- yeah. before then. We're not taking all of their stuff because there's lots, and you got to listen to SPAC Attack at 11 o'clock. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yep. You got to listen to SPAC Attack at 11 o'clock if you want the fundies on there. I mean that these guys know what they're talking about, so you know we don't promote our own stuff that much. So we'll promote the SPAC Attack, and Mitch, our own Mitch, 
is obviously hosting this show. So we love Mitch. Uh, but yeah, the SPACs are what everybody is looking at right now. Um, obviously, you know, we talked about the Kramer one already, but there is just a pile other of these. And you were talking about the SPACs that are closing earlier in the show, Spencer. Um, do yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about those? I'll, I'll give you a list here. I actually found yeah. this on Twitter. This uh, is a good list. Just a list of SPACs that have dates where their transactions are, are going to close this month, right? And I came in this morning and they're, they're, I, I looked at all of them and they're all up, right? So these are SPACs with with confirmed dates that their mergers are, I, you would assume, are going to close this month. We've talked about LCA. And just to, just to say, you know, what has worked here, I'm not saying it's going to work in the future, but how, what has been working is to own these things ahead of the event, ahead of the actual closing date. So he's giving you a list right now, and we're just saying these SPACs might show relative strength compared to other SPACs right now because these merger dates are, are coming yeah. up. And I want to add the you know, Mitch and, and Chris on, on Spectac, they went through this list on Friday. So really should, they're, they're definitely, you know, as this show in title would indicate all in on this and way more ahead of us than us, but uh, SPACs with uh, upcoming, just closing merger dates this month, right? H-Y-A-C is coming up um, this week. That's on it's the 5% this morning. Now, T-Z-A-C also on the 8th. It's up 12% this morning. Now, T-R-N-E also on the 8th. It's up eight percent this morning. You got OPES. Yeah, all of them. OPES on the fifteenth. You don't up even have four and to, a half percent this morning. Don't even have to know what company they're buying. You don't. You really you don't have to know. It's a merger coming. Yeah. Up. Uh, FEAC, Foxtrot, Echo, Alpha, Charlie. On that's the, up one percent this morning. That's on the sixteenth. That's the laggard. Only what's up going 1%. on with that one? Yeah, that one's terrible. Only up one percent. You got IPOB. That's one of Chamath. Uh, I believe I bought this one. I believe I, I I bought a whole pile of them Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I, I'm not 100%. I bought one of the IPs. I don't know if that's that one or not. I have to go look. <laughs> so I might own it. I might not. I actually don't remember which ones I bought, but I bought a whole pile of SPACs just because it's just getting a silly town here. Uh, actually, I don't I don't know if IPOB is a, is a Chamath. So strike that from the record. But that's on the 17th. S-A-M-A, also on the 17th. We've got LCA, which we've talked about for months. I own that one. Uh, that's on the 18th. PTAC is going to close on the 21st. And the one we just talked about, HCAC, the one that got the Kramer love, that's also on the 21st. Yep. And then RMG, uh, Ralph Mary Golf on the 21st. RMG is down. One of the only ones that are down this oh, morning. Oh, boy. What's wrong with that? So, uh, again, you just <laughs> you, you buy ahead of the, the, the merger date. Yeah. It's That's been, and again, we're not telling you what to do. It's just been the strategy that has been working. Could this get crowded and wash out a whole bunch of people before it? That's what tends to happen. I used to call it the strategy life cycle. I've actually done presentations on it where you get a strategy that appears to be working. We find some alpha in something, and obviously you start to employ it. And, you know, it starts to work. And then, you know, more people find out it starts to work. And more people find out it starts to work. And then all of a sudden, the strategy becomes crowded. And it instantly starts going the other way because there's too many people doing it. And, you know, then obviously once a a, a trade gets too crowded, people are, there are more, uh, there's too many people in it. And that means there's going to be people looking for an out. And then it starts going down and the panic hits. So um, the strategy lifecycle kind of goes, you find something that's working, you employ it going up and it's working. Trade starts to get crowded. The strategy itself starts to get crowded. This works for trades too. Starts to get crowded, and then it starts to come off significantly. So you kind of see it up the mountain and down the roller coaster. So you got to be careful. You don't get stuck in a crowded strategy on some of these. So uh, obviously these are working now. You know, if you, if it continues to work like it is, where it's working seven to eight to ten percent, there's gonna be way too many people in, and eventually it will stop working and actually it will crush some people. So you just have to be somewhat careful. And then you know what happens? Sometimes it stops and working, and everybody stops doing it, and then it starts to work again. So, you know, you see this with, you know, even with mad money plays, you'd see like in some cases where Kramer plays are working really well, and then they stop working all together because everybody's just got too crowded into them. And then the, everybody stops doing it and starts working again. So that's just strategy, the life cycle of strategies. So keep that in mind when you're trading these. It's nothing is free money. It's working right now. It doesn't mean it has to work tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I, I would mention the, the, the site that I dropped in the chat, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday, spactrack.net. But uh, just keep an eye on these things. They're going to be at the top of your movers filter. I don't know when this is going to end, but presumably for the time being. Um, 
and then also we want to mention again spec attack they cover this stuff way more in depth than we do yeah. we, let's move on to kodak here um let's go uh, the stock was banned from our show i'm unbanning it here because they, <laughs> they had news this morning the government uh to be specific the inspector general for u.s international development finance uh found no wrongdoing in the government's loan to kodak and remember that was the 765 million dollar loan that they were going to use uh to do something with co i don't even remember what they're are they doing vaccine, anything with this money they're going to develop a vaccine right well anyway the government says no, nothing to see here and so kodak is ripping this morning uh, okay so you know what it's already off the highs a little bit it, it's a tough this Kodak stock, obviously, you know, got the crazy run. We know the story behind it. It's been just doing nothing here forever. So you're squeezing people a little bit. Again, I'm in the type of market I'm scared to short everything. Normally, I would say I'm going to short the hell out of this, but I'm not going to because I'm spooked. I'm spooked on shorts. Maybe we're getting close to a top when I start getting spooked on shorts. And I just start coming in biased long. I mean, maybe we're getting close to a top. And maybe that means, you know, we, we're actually, you know, when the shorts are that scared, it means everybody's long. So usually I trade market neutral. I'm trading market bias to the long side just to pick up extra alpha right now because that's the way the market is. So on something like this, I would say if I was in it, I would 110% ring the register. That would be me, just my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, normally, like I said, I would short something like this. I'm not doing it because we're just in this type of market where things get stupider than you think they can. I, I tend to think it's going to go back down, but I'm not convicted enough to short it. Uh it's, I guess if you're using, you know, technicals kind of go out the door when these things kind of happen, but just maybe go back to like your whole number theory. And uh, the reason I'm saying that is because there's nothing else to say when these markets get going and whole numbers tend to attract uh seller, you know, oh, let me get out at 15. I got stuck on this thing. I'll get up at 15. Well, that flows over in your highs at 1488. Well, it sells back off to $12. Well, not going to get out at 15, but I'm going to get out at 14. And then you see a couple bumps over 14, 14 and a quarter, 1435. And now you're just hanging at 13. So I, I don't know. 13 could be building. If you got a pop, look at that 14 area. And if, if you spend too much time under 13, then 13 will be your new resistance. Seem to have found buyers at 12, uh, between 4 and 6 a.m. Quick look at Kodak here. Pre up, still, still trading up nicely, though. Five and a half dollars at 1306, 73% gain for Kodak. Yes. All right, I'm gonna go for more uh, to more stocks on my list here. Mm -hmm. Let's look at uh, XPEV. They had an offering this morning, pretty big one. Uh, they announced a 40 million share. Well, their ADS is, but uh, yeah. the equivalent of shares, 40 million share offering. Uh, this one. Do we know the price? I don't think we. No, I don't think we have oh, a price yeah. yet. But I want to look up the float because that seems significant. 40 million and that's a good always a, a, a way to do it you know when you get 100 million shares out there and they're issuing another two that's only two percent dilution it's always yeah. good to look at the dilution rate 40 million shares look up the float and obviously if it's higher sometimes you know it can um, okay that, that's not it's not how many shares outstanding 720 million so that's not three four percent four percent dilution oh, that not as big a deal as i would have assumed yeah, but they're knocking it down this morning. It all depends on the secondary prices more important as well. If the prices out there, sometimes those can act like a bounce level to it. One thing I will say, I've never made, I don't think I've ever made a trade on XPV. I've watched this thing go up. I've watched it come back in now. One thing I will say, and Joel might say too, is I think about the 50% retracement, 20 up to 75. So you got a 55 point move and take half of that. It's 22 and a half off of the 75. Five. I mean, I guess we're through the fifty percent retrace. I, I mean, yeah. Now, if you go it, down to, that's right in here. It's right in here. Yeah. yeah, you're getting right in here. Well, well, you got through it in the pre-market, uh, but Joel's right there. He's gotten on us for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't know where the price is, obviously, but someone likes this in the lower forty-four handle. I mean, and that's just based on like the 15 minute trade, 15 minute chart. You got down there 44.20, 44.13. So don't know where the pricing is, but uh, in the pre market, XPEVs find buyers in the lower 44 handle. I mean, the, the question is is the story just cooled off for a little bit, or does the story get hot again? 
we know the Tesla story, you know, it just seems to continue to get hot. It's now through 600, which obviously I thought it was going to make new highs. It's trying to, it's taken an extra day after the Goldman upgrade. I think it's going to make another run here again because we have that catalyst, but taking Tesla's side and looking at the other EV plays, they've all come off significantly. Neo, XPV, um, and then you can go into all the SPACs. And some of the SPACs have continued to run, so that isn't necessarily true. Um, obviously, they've had mergers and different things, so it's not you know, all the case. But it's cooled off at least a bit for NEO and XPEV. Do they get hot again? I, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. But I think if you think they're going to get hot again, it's time to start thinking about striking. So time to think about you know coming back in around that 50% level. And maybe you give yourself, like right now, the problem is you're trading through the low from three days ago and you don't know what the offering price is so you know if the offering price comes out of 40 it could come lower yet too uh neo neo i would lean probably if i was trying i'm not saying i'm going to but if i was trying to call the bottom here and say i think the story gets hot again i'd probably lean on that 38 43 low from three days ago back on the second and if it can hold that then you got a potential trade so at least you define your risk you know you come in here it's what trading's all about where am i getting out if it goes south uh, because in this case, the momentum is not with you. You're trying to call right. for a turn in momentum. So, which makes it, you know, you're, you're going counter to trend, trying to catch a falling knife to a certain extent. So you've got to have yourself a note. And to just uh, for the NEO, uh, you had the initial drop, right? And then you came back and you got over a little 50%. I was sleeping on that one. And now you're getting the other drop. So it's just, you know, you're starting to, it's not blue skies, right? There's people, hey, they're bought. They bought up there. They want out. Get me out. This goes back to 44. Get me out. And you didn't have that overhead supply issue on that initial jaunt up. So taking a look at NIO, uh, just stick, sticking in the car uh, area. Bad news out of, out of Ford, huh? Delaying the Bronco. Yep, they Nobody have cares about they, Ford. They've postponed the, the Bronco launch. This is, I think, the second time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They don't care. I mean, it's down one percent. Not a so big deal. I, I don't think they're there. No, it, it's still going to be launched in next summer. Uh, I guess. Well, I guess the plan was to launch in the spring. Now it's in the summer, so by a couple months, whatever. No big news. Kind of quiet trading here, Dennis. You got things bouncing around at all? Uh, yes. The spacs. I mean, it's why we look <laughs> at those things. No, it's overall. You got oil. So if you want to know this, if you want to get away from Theme. spacs for a little bit and get into some normal trading. No. Um, tech tech is still somewhat hot here this morning. I know some of the big tech is not participating, but some of the smaller tech is up. Um, and you are seeing, if I'm just looking at my filters, you are seeing um, a little bit of a reopening trade come off here this morning to a certain extent. I know Boeing is going to be the exception because it caught an upgrade from UBS. But um, you're seeing some of the retail stocks showing a little bit of weakness here this morning. The banks are showing significant weakness here this morning. Uh, oil is showing significant weakness here this morning. So you're definitely seeing rotation all over the place again. Every single day, it's rotation station here. And it's just identifying where the rotation is going today. That's what the whole trick when trading right now in this December of 2020 is. It's all about rotation. So right now, banks week. Not saying, you know, I, I would think, you know, the banks week is probably another opportunity because the banks have been so hot lately. And this reopening trade has been so hot. That every time we get a little pullback in some of these stocks, they continue to go. I mean, I did not see, I, I, I thought we were going to get a reopening trade. And obviously I put, you know, some of these trades on, but I did not see a 22% rally in the IWM in one month. So, you know, it's been an incredible rally for a lot of reopening stocks. So keep that in mind. If you're coming in them now, they definitely are coming in a little late to the party. Let's talk about that Boeing upgrade. Yeah. UBS also oh, SPR. Yeah. Boeing's been on a roll, um, not just the upgrade here this morning, but Boeing's been on a roll. The upgrade this morning was from UBS to, to buy. They're raising their price target to 300 from 150. Catch up. They got, they got that you know order. They got an order to buy some of the maxes. So that's you know where we were challenging who's buying the planes. Well, you know what? They found somebody to buy some planes. So you know whether they're paying full value for them, I don't know, but Anyways, the market you know, likes it. That was from last week. And now you have the UBS analyst. I did not read the note, but I'm assuming he's citing, you know, obviously increasing demand here, which we just saw. Um, and then also he's upgrading the parts maker SPR. So Boeing, a derivative play of that, if you like that stuff, as Spirit Aerosystems, which has been running and running, 
it's up here this morning as well. It makes parts for Max. Uh, let's take a look at the Boeing chart because it's still not trading above yesterday, Friday's high. So that's a significance. No big deal. Still early in the session. Trading uh, trading up, but, but your high from Friday, you just got two areas to look at. Your high from Friday, 38.18. And then on Thursday, you hit 42. So up nicely, got a couple targets and uh, for a potential breakout here, uh, but did we do a big time 50% on this one? I don't think we have in a while. Wow. Remember when this almost traded for 50 and then oh, this is off a little bit. But I love that little tool you have there though. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish I could use love. it right all the time, but uh, you know, you still got uh 270, 275 really to get half of that move back and yeah. uh, good news though. Good news for Boeing shareholders. Just let's see what happens at Friday's high and uh, also uh, the high from last week, which has been highest you were since February. Uh, that's way up there at 300. But first, I think, first things first, let's take out the previous day's high and then the high from last week. Like, you know, put the scenario out there for all these stocks, all the reopening plays. And Boeing is your classic reopening play. As long as the vaccine continues to come and we don't get more delays, um, the worst case scenario is somebody dies in one of these trials and not saying that's going mm -hmm. to happen, but that would be the case where they would hammer all the reopening stocks. That's pretty much the, as from what I can think of, no, I'm not, not talking individual stocks, but just talking, you know, overall in the reopening play, that's like the scenario where you could really see these stocks get hammered. But I think the more likely scenario is that we continue to just buy dips on these things because everybody's full on rah, rah, reopening. Is it going to work as well as, you know, the market thinks it's going to work? Probably not. We're going to have some hiccups. We're going to have some delays. We're going to have some, you know, maybe some scares even with somebody getting sick or something. But overall, right now, this market is like rah, rah, reopening. We're going back to normal. We'll see you in the middle of 2021, and we'll be right back to normal. That's what the market thinks. And who, do, who am I to say that the market's wrong? Uh, for you SPR traders out there, uh, kind of a similar scenario that you had in the BA, uh, but the uh, the highs are much closer to each other. Uh, for SPR, I don't know if anyone here trades it. 41.52, your high on Thursday. 41.71, that was your high on Friday. So call 41.60, your major resistance in SPR. All right, 833, we're going to have Gil Morales from the Gilmo Report on in a couple of minutes. want to remind you all to hit that like button. Um, let, let's look at Palantir quickly here. This one had that big run, went from 10 to 30. It's back down now to 24. What, what are you seeing here in PLTR? I'm long it. I see a little bit of consolidation from the bounce from two yep. days ago. Um, I think... I, I think the 2115 is safe for now. I wouldn't be surprised if things tries to find a bit and gets hot again. Hard to get fully interested. I would say above 2562. That's where you start to break out again. And then you start thinking about 30. So, I mean, until I can get over 2562, this is just a bounce. And it could end up going right back down and retesting that 2115. Sometimes they like to test them again. Um, I believe it's going to hold. That's why I'm long it. But I would not be surprised if we did get a retest. Again, I wouldn't be surprised. I just start coming in and buying it too. So that's why I'm not selling and trying to hope to get it back. I'm just going to hold on. And halfway back, that's pretty easy one. Uh, 27, call it 2730. That's uh, halfway back on the move. And you're right. I'll just go with that. Two highs in the 25 handle between 25, 24, and 25, 62. So that seller did come down. So Two highs in the same area for PLTR and Dennis looking, uh, leaning on the low of the move. Just yeah. you're right. It'd be best for it. I mean, it doesn't have to bolt up today, but maybe just hang out for a couple of days. You do have a nice double bottom to lean on to at uh, 2350. So if you don't want to ride it down to the low of the move at 2115, check out the price action. If it comes back to 2350, uh, S&P still down 1075. Uh, Mid-range on the session. That's my area of interest, 88.75. All right. We've got our guest here, Gil Morales. He's the author of the Gilmo Report. He's a prop trader. Let me unmute you here. Gil, uh, good morning. Let me, let me unmute your mic. There we go. Oh, try it again. That was user error. Again. How's that? Good morning, Gil. How's it going? Very well. How are you guys doing? What are you seeing out there? <laughs> uh 
What a question. <laughs> yeah. All I have to say is, yow, are we having fun yet? Uh, you know, it's, it's like, I, like I tell, I write in my, my report, uh, you know, it's, I'm trying to come up with a new uh, hat trick every, every week or so. I thought that we were pretty much done with all the speculative froth like two or three weeks ago when we saw all the Chinese EV names running and then all the other uh, U.S. EV names like Fisker and uh, what's the, the other one? Uh, Lord's Lordstown. Right. That's I know stocks mostly by their their symbols and not their company names. And and then you have the, the batteries, such the chargers, the blinks, the Ballard power, the plug power, the fuel cell, all those things going nuts. And I'm thinking, OK, if this isn't a sign of speculative froth, nothing is. But in this market, I don't try and judge it based on how frothy it looks because as and my motto basically, you know, steal one from Star Wars is may the froth be with you. Huh. And what That's you want to do, you know, I hear Darth Vader in the background when I'm trading and say, Gil, use the froth. May the froth be with you. <laughs> and, and it's true, you know, if something's frothy, people use that term pejoratively, you know, like, oh, it's froth. This is a frothy market. It's like, yeah. Yeah, baby. Uh, I'll take it because you get all these young guys, you know, I run into these young guys. Well, you old timers, you don't know what's been. This is different. You know, this market, you don't understand. So it's like, guess again, pal, we not only did I uh, do I understand this market, I traded a market just like this, which was 99, 2000, a huge bubble market, you know, and all the old timers uh, are wondering, you know, how the hell can this be happening? But it is. So, you know, last week we actually found some hot, hot movers. Yala was one of them. I've been working on that for a while. Uh, Fastly came back up to the 50-day line. I've been watching that one coming up off the lows. We've been buying it off the 20-day line. Um, and then the other one was, uh, the other two actually, you had Appian having a big move and also um, Snow, Snowflake, which I think is a great symbol for this time of the year in this market, definitely. So, so Gil, you're, you're going with moment, the momentum here. And so far, most dips have been dips to be bought. How will yes. you know? How will you know when that trend has changed? Well, actually, quite simply, uh, I use uh, actually they're, they're very uh, Livermorean type of uh, buy points because Livermore. There's a myth about Livermore, and you know this is the something of the O'Neill myth that Livermore only bought uptrends and Livermore only bought breakouts. That's entirely false. Livermore had a number of ways that he saw it, and so did Wyckoff, Richard Wyckoff, who first wrote about Livermore in the magazine of Wall Street back in the early 1900s. And he had uh, what he called pivotal points, which were turning points coming off the bottom that he would look to buy into. Now, these days, I use a setup I call the undercut and rally, where a stock undercuts a prior low. Sometimes it's a major low. Sometimes it's a near-term low. But essentially, what that does is get everybody bearish. And, and you look at a lot of charts. And you'll see there's this phenomenon I call DBOV, down big on volume. You'll see a stock getting hammered for a couple of days, huge volume. And then it bottoms and then it undercuts the prior low. Everybody's bearish and it turns around and goes up. I will buy that coming back up through the prior low. And then I use that prior low as my selling guide. Now, once I start to see these types of setups fail, in other words, they fall back below that prior low. And you start to see this more frequently than, than what you're seeing right now, where you see these undercut and rally type moves actually work. And sometimes the stocks head up back right back up to new highs. You look at something like bill.com, for example, that's a great example because uh, you can see how this one came down and had a, it had a little double bottom undercut a low there under a hundred. Uh, I guess that leather, that second low was somewhere around what, 94, 95, and then you undercut that. And then what happens? You turn right back around. And then notice that that second low, and this is an early uh, November. What, what's, the, what's the symbol on this one? Bill.com, B-I-L-L. Okay, that's easy. Pull that one up. <clears throat> okay, let me and this is a type of setup that works, works quite often and quite well. And this is probably my primary setup. So I'm, I'm buying the weakness when everybody else is getting bearish. And usually the market is looking... Uh, pretty ugly at the time, but that's usually how these things set up. It's a completely different market in my view. You don't have the traditional drivers of institutional accumulation. You don't have mutual funds in there steadily building positions because they're getting these huge money inflows, these steady inflows that we used to see back in the 90s and early 2000s. So I think a lot of this is driven by machines. So it takes on more of a contrarian sort of flavor. And if you look at this one, so let's see, you guys have four, okay, the upper uh, right chart, you can see the undercut of the low around 95. You see that? And you see how that low, I don't, you don't have volume on there, but if you saw the volume, it's huge volume, huge selling volume. So it looks like it's busting support and it's going lower, but what it does is it stops. 
and it consolidates very tightly sideways for a few days and then it takes off. <laughs> and most people scratch their head uh, looking at that type of setup. But to me, it makes perfect sense because that's how this market rolls. So I don't really chase strength. I don't wait for strength. I look for weakness and then I look for the setups that I will use. I also will use shakeouts at a moving average, which you can get real technical and call that a moving average undercut and rally, but we can also just call it a shakeout. And you can see these all over the place. I mean, gold just shook out at the 200 day line. And at the same time, if you go back and look at silver, uh, you had a little undercut and rally move there. And so they've turned back to the upside. I don't know how much upside they have from here, but I think long-term they go higher. But still, the, my main point is that this particular setup and looking to buy on weakness is actually a much higher probability setup than chasing breakouts. You know, look at something like MicroStrategy. This is another a big one for us. We're big on Bitcoin and we have been for a while. So my colleague on virtueofselfishinvesting.com, uh, Dr. Chris Ketcher, who's not really a doctor, he's, but he has a PhD, uh, is quite knowledgeable about cryptocurrencies. And so MicroStrategy is one we've been following for a while. But look at this one. If you go back to the late October breakout, and you can see that that thing broke out on huge volume, and a few days later, it just fails, okay? But notice that it undercuts the low of that little handle area uh, between, say, October 12th and October 19th. It undercuts that low, the low of that area right in there. You see that? So it does that. So you break out. You got, you got your cursor just right. Who's running the cursor there? Is that Dennis? No, Joel's got no, it. Joel's me. got it. That's Joel. Joel's a cursor man. Okay. Uh, so you see, yeah, now you've got, there's the break where you've got the cursor right there, your little cross. Uh, and you can see that undercuts the low of that little handle area. Okay. And that, when it turns back to the upside, that's where we buy it. And boom, there it takes off. Now this thing's above 300. I thought this thing was getting a little bit climactic uh, when it was pumping above two, uh, what is that, 260? Maybe let's just look at my charts. Yours are kind of small, and I'm half blind these days. Anyway, let's see. Uh, whoops. Let me pull that up. Yeah, we did the. Yeah, uh, they put a lot of their cash into Bitcoin too, right? Yeah, it's a Bitcoin they have Seven hundred twenty-five yep. million. Yeah, it's, there's a Square is the same thing. PayPal is another one we picked off at the fifty-day line a couple of weeks ago, and now it's broken out to new highs. So I'm certainly not going to buy it in new high territory, but I'll buy it off the fifty-day line. And that's PayPal I'm talking about. But this MSTR now, okay. So here's an, uh, this is a momentum uh, entry I would use. If you look at this on Monday morning, last, last week, one, uh, yeah. one week ago exactly, it actually opened up at $300.03. Okay, I use Livermore's old rule where if you see a stock punching up through a, a, a century mark, uh, even $100, $100 level, $100, $200, $300, $400, whatever, uh, I use that as a long entry. And uh, in this case, it comes up through $300 and you shoot up $60 bucks in two days. Now we're hanging just above at 328, and uh, I would use a $300 level as a as a trailing stop at this point. You could also use a 10-day line at 287.93, but I don't think I would want to let it come down that far. But you know, this is the craziness in this market, and I, you know, what this all looks like to me, it looks like 2,000. And I remember, okay, I went from on October 25th, 1999, I was up 33% in my personal account. Within two months, or in about two months. Uh, I was up 1,008% for the year. So, yeah, so this market is a little bit like that. You know, you wake up one day, it's like, wow, I'm up another 40%, you know, and you're wondering how you do. You think you're smart, you know, but you're not really. You're just riding a huge wave, and the wave is being generated by this huge wave machine known as, come on, everybody, what's the answer? The Fed, and that's what's driving it, you know. So I don't come up with fundamental reasons because the fundamentals make no sense whatsoever. Uh, the economy makes no sense whatsoever. Dennis is nodding, is shaking that's his head. Spot on. No, no, that's spot on. Yeah, that's it makes no sense, right, Dennis? Market. It makes no sense. And, and you're a good trader, okay? Every time I look at Peloton, I remember back in, uh, it was either very end of March or very beginning of April, we were talking. I was on the show at that time. You mentioned Peloton. It was 24 bucks. Where yeah. is that turkey now? Oh, I know, um, but I always sell too early. <laughs> I caught it at 24, 25. <laughs> I, I caught it at 30. I sold and at I 38. Sold it I thought too. it was overdone. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? In this market, if you get a if you get a 40-50% gain in, in just a few days, uh, like last week, Yala goes from uh, you had a buy point at just about 1048, I think it was in the morning, right after the bell. It's right at the 10-day line, boom, and it's up 49% end to end from there. You know, and that's what you get. So I remember uh, you know, 2000, and, and what I was my point earlier is at the end of 99, okay, I'm up that much. And a lot of people, especially the old timers, are saying, oh, this market's overbought. Everybody's too bullish. 
So you hear a lot of that now. And if you look at all the sentiment numbers, yeah, it's showing extreme uh, bullish sentiment. Everything from the American Association of Individual Investors to the National Association of Active Investment Managers to the survey of newsletter writers to the put call ratio, all these uh, various indicators show an excessive amount of bullishness, which from a contrarian perspective, as you guys all know, as longtime traders is bearish, supposedly. But, you know, if you look at the put call ratio, it's actually been down at these lows for about the last three months. So the bottom line is forget sentiment. Just watch the stocks. You know, I call it the Joe Friday principle. Just the setups, ma'am. That's all we're looking at. And and if you kind of take your head out of that, because there's so much noise, right? You know, you got one day you got the market selling off because Pfizer's vaccine. They're not going to have as many as they thought or whatever. Uh, I don't even know if I want to take that thing, frankly. But in any case, you know, that's the kind of news you're dealing with. We had all the election news and uh, who knows what's next, you know, so you may get a dropout at any point. And if we think about the fact that back at the end of February, okay, we came off 10 percent off the peak in record time. It was a market record, right? Six days. In early September, we came 10 percent off the peak in three days. So we broke the record, you know, within, uh, what, seven, eight months, something like that. And I'm wondering is that record going to be broken? Do we get 10% down in one day? I don't know. That's something I think about and I was looking over my shoulder for that. But, you know, I think if you stick to the setups and get your head out of all the noise, just focus on the charts, I think you'll be fine. And you'll find those opportunities like the Yala's last week and Appian the week before and uh, Snowflake, which is a perfect setup again at the 10 day line. If you look at that chart, they came out with earnings last Thursday and Stock briefly dipped below the 10-day line and shook out. So as soon as it's coming back up to the 10-day line, my alert's going off. It's like, boom, 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 come right into it. And there it goes. And it just launches higher. You get a secondary entry at the $300 level, but that's the second shot at the, well, actually the third shot at the $300 level. But that would trigger that Jesse Livermore type of uh, entry. And if you're interested in finding more about that, go read about how he played Anaconda Copper in the book Reminiscences of a Stock operator. And I'm sure all of you have read that book, but there is a great passage in there where he talks about how he uses his century mark rule in both directions, actually. And he actually went long Anaconda Copper. I think this is in 1906. And then when he noticed it couldn't hold 300, he reversed the trade and went short and made a mint. Uh, and I'll use that as well. So if you look at Appian, for example. What's the symbol on that? Uh, it ha- APPN. Okay. Supposedly, these guys are in what they call low-code apps, so very they don't require a lot of code, and this is supposedly a huge secular trend, at least according to one talking head on CNBC. But notice how it fails at the $200 level. So I'm watching as it comes up there, and if you're long, once it gets above 200, you can use that as a trailing stop. But once it breaks back below, sometimes you just flip short, or if you're not long and you miss the whole run, you might catch something on the downside by getting short there, and sure enough, it breaks very hard. So you know, when you see these climactic type moves, I have to sell into them. You know, you guys were talking a little while ago about NEO and that was somewhat climactic, but once it broke the 10 day line, uh, that was a sell based on what we call the seven week rule, where if a, if a stock is in a sharp uptrend and it follows a 10 day, the 20 day or the 50 day on the upside and shows that one of those moving averages is where it finds consistent support on the way up for at least seven weeks, we will use that as our selling guide. And some people will wait for a violation. In my book, if it breaks the 10-day line and it's going straight up the way Neo was at the time, I just sell into it, you know? So, uh, and I think you saw a lot of that and I'm wondering what this all means, but you know, I don't think this is a market that you can judge on the basis of uh, history, you know? It's just, it's beyond anything we've ever seen. It's a different market because you have so many, it, it, usually like you were saying before, you know, you have institutions that are driving price. And in this market, it seems like a lot of these stocks are retail driven and these stocks yeah. seem to go like, and they start going in one direction. These Robinhood traders get a hold of something and yeah, man, exactly. it goes so much farther than you even think possible. Like I've never yeah. seen a market, I've been 21 <laughs> years prop. I've never seen a market driven so much by retail. Even like the Friday, we were giving the example. Kramer featured that HCAC. And yeah. the stock went up 39% so, in his segment. <laughs> I was like, I've never right. seen Kramer drive a stock up 39% before. But it's showing you how much you know retail is really driving price right now. 
Yeah, I mean, we joke that, you know, what kind of strategy do you want to use now? Well, we could just figure out where the Robin Hooders are going next and get there. That's true. Before. So we were joking with Yala. It's like, oh, the Robin Hooders must be pushing this one up because I don't see any news. And uh, and it's running up. And I'm thinking, yeah, OK, well, we got this one before they did. So and then just sell into it. But eventually, you know, as, as any market where retail becomes the main driver at a certain stage, you're usually closer to the end than the beginning. And you'll start to hear the stories that we heard back in 2000, you know, and that Jesse Livermore uh, heard back when the shoeshine guy was giving him stock tips, remember, right at the top in 1929. It, you're getting there, but I don't know when it stops. In the meantime, all I'm going to do is search for uh, for setups. So, you know, an and example then you just of trail your stops up to get out, and not get caught, because one day that you, exactly. you were saying earlier, you, you've got that, you know, you're looking over your shoulder and you're protecting, you're looking over your shoulder. And I mean, I find myself doing that probably too yeah. much. It probably <laughs> gets me out of trades way too soon because I'm looking over my shoulder every five minutes and, you know, you're just making sure, OK, I'm in this, you know, I'm in this high moment <laughs> and it's going my way, but it can't be yeah. this easy. <laughs> no, and it, but you're, if you were around in 99, 2000, it was this easy. And, and, yeah. and a lot of people thought they were real smart. And when I was at O'Neill at the time, I was the head of the Institutional uh, Services Advisory. So we advised over 700 of the biggest institutions on the planet, including names like Fidelity, Strong, Soros, Gabelli, uh, Louis Navalier, uh, all those guys. OK, so over 700 of them. And um, back then. Um, what was my point? What was I? What was I? Well, we're talking about looking over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so back then, all these guys were none of them were believing it. But but at some point, uh, all of these guys started to think that they were incredibly smart. So we were getting all these hedge fund guys. New hedge funds were forming like left and right. We're getting all these new clients. I got a hundred thousand dollar bonus because our our uh, institutional advisory clientele had increased a certain percentage and I qualified for this bonus. But almost every single one of those guys who came in with their new hedge funds making tons of money and making 20% profits on their, on their profits, right, or 20% payouts, all of these guys just thought they were incredibly smart. And Bill and Neil says to me, these guys, they won't be around for a while because their problem is they think it's them and it's not them. And you, that's the one thing I think people need to remember. You're just a surfer. You're riding a wave. It's a big wave. Then ride it for what it's worth and don't deny the fact that it's a big wave because it's a bit frothy, you know, big waves tend to get a little froth on top if you're a surfer you'll notice you get that windblown white uh, white water at the top so huh. uh i think yeah a lot of great analogies here right so so you're looking like, for uh, you're looking for a santa claus rally then huh i don't know what i'm looking for santa claus <laughs> might get shot out of the sky the whole santa claus rally <laughs> thing though don't tell my kids not- that i got the three-year-old six-year-old they're ruined christmas they sometimes yeah. watch this well, show <laughs> well mine are in college and they still resent me for feeding them bs about santa claus it's like yeah dad you deceived us you know there's no santa claus it's like well you, you all your three-year-olds out there so. there is a santa claus just uh, but, uh it's been a wild year gil and i know you know you you, you look like to look forward here uh 2021 I mean, when we're we're here, you know, the momentum is carrying. Do you yeah. have do you have like any prediction? Yeah, a theme for two thousand twenty one. You know, if you had asked me the same question at the end of last year, okay, I would have been so far off. You know, uh, correct. But correct. next year, I have no idea what's going to happen. I I'm not convinced that all of this is about a virus per se. I think there's something else going on. And the interesting thing is back and when we started having that overnight repo issue where the Fed had to come in, you saw rates. Now, whatever rates happened spiking. with that? Whatever happened with that that issue? That just well, kind of they pumped in, they pumped three trillion dollars into the market, you know. And that, then where does that go to? It goes to the what the 38 or 39 member banks of the New York Fed, which is where it all funnels out through. So. Um, I was telling people, though, something's going to happen and the, the Fed needs is going to need to pump a lot of liquidity into the system. And so they're going to find something's going to happen that's going to create an excuse. And when COVID shows up, all my friends will say, well, there you go, Gil, that's what you were looking for. And, I'm, and a lot of it seems so bizarre to me uh, and all the people I know who are medical professionals. I went to Stanford. OK, so I know a lot of smart people who are in biotech or who are doctors, medical researchers, top surgeons, people who own hospitals. They run hospitals. And not a single one of them thinks any of this is consistent. There's he, there's so many bizarre contradictions and, and so on. And I'm not going to get into that whole argument, but it makes you wonder whether it's being used as an excuse for something else or the Fed is simply taking advantage of it and governments are taking advantage of it. 
uh, as it is. But I think next year the Fed will continue to print. So I do think that Bitcoin, uh, if, if it corrects here, uh, and gold and silver probably are going higher. And so th those are a couple of things uh, that I would I would predict would go higher. But again, I'm not I'm not really about predictions. I'm about watching the setup. So I go with the setups. I'm long the metals here based on the uh, undercut and rally. I, I actually trade the Sprott Physical Silver Trust because you can theoretically they say that uh, you can convert it directly into metal. There's the other one, O-U-N-Z for gold, ounce. And uh you know, I'm on those based on last week's buy signal on the PSLV at 775. Now it's above that now, which we're looking at what 827 on the bid this morning pre-open. And I'll just stay with that trade if, until it doesn't work, and maybe I get forced out, but I may come back to it. But I, you know, that's what I'll operate on. I'm not going to make a long-term prediction. But you know, some people I'm hearing people, well, we're glad 2020 is almost over. It's like, yeah, well, 2021 might be an even bigger doozy. So assume nothing. But I think as traders, for me. Our business is booming. I run two websites and it's booming, you know, and trading is booming. And it's weird, you know, because a lot of people around me, I come from a large uh, working class family, Mexican-American family. A lot of people aren't doing so well. So the one thing I would say, if you're a trader and you've been successful, think about some of those people out there who aren't doing so well and maybe take some of those profits and donate them to food banks or wherever else, you know, or whatever you, you want to do. I mean, I, I used to, at one point I used to go to my ATM, get hundred dollar bills and just like throw them out to people I see on the street. And I, I don't recommend that though. Cause, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I do think there's some of us who really, cause they'll want Bitcoin. And it, and they'll be like, I don't want dollars. Yeah, exactly. They don't give me your paper dollars. Give me your uh, gold coins or your Bitcoin. So, but you know, those are the trends now. I think alternative currencies are going to become uh, move to the forefront. You're seeing that with Bitcoin because you're seeing institutions now realizing this is a legitimate asset class. So, what are your thoughts on down. Bitcoin for 2021? Thoughts on Bitcoin? I think for it next probably year. goes higher as an alternative currency. I mean, it is hard money. Okay, people don't know what what's hard money. It's not a, not necessarily a coin. It's money that you can't just print willy nilly like we're doing now. So, I think the world will be looking for more stable hard currencies. Uh, going forward, at least people will. And that, you know, we'll see what sorts of forms uh, they they choose. And it could be any number of things or a combination. You don't know. Uh, I have a lot of friends, supposedly smart guys in the investment business think Bitcoin is a fraud. Well, I don't really judge it on whether it's a fraud or not. It's going up. I'm long. It's going down. I'm short, you know, and uh, that's all I know. Just the, just the setups, ma'am. That's all we need. If you want Anything to surf, else. if you want to surf with Gil, you can follow him on Twitter at Gilmo Report. It's G I L M O. <clears throat> website is also GilmoReport.com. His other website is VirtueOfSelfishInvesting.com. Gil got some great feedback. Chat loves you. Keep on doing what you're doing. We'll talk to you <laughs> in the new year. And thanks for Will the uh, for the Dragnet uh, reference there with Sergeant yeah, Joe, Joe Friday. Friday. Okay, who was the That's actor the facts, who played, played the part? Joel, you should know this. Come on. Now, now you're going to identify yourself as a really old fart. Jack Webb. Oh, uh, that one. Yeah. And who, who, who was his, uh, his sidekick? The guy with the uh, Bill? Was it yeah. Bill? The, Bill the, was the his tall sidekick. white guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Bill was his name. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, right. I think Joe right. Friday was Italian. But, anyways. Um, good luck, Gil. Good talking to you guys. Take care. Happy trading. Thanks, Gil. All right. That was really great stuff. He's uh, awesome. Gil's you always have fun with Gil. And it's funny. We have all these great guests on. And then, you know, I do the rotation and then I don't think about it. And then someone mentions it. And then he's really great the way he responds to him and immediately gets right back to us with uh, what do you want to look at? We got only a minute left here, Spencer. Do we want to hit a couple tickers for the before yeah. we wrap things up? Yeah, let's hit a couple of tickers. Uh, I was wondering if, if we we're going to get to Jinko Solar. Uh, they had earnings this morning that. Uh, weren't great, but you know, their guidance was light. Um, what about the solar stocks, Joel? Overall, I mean, we've seen a pullback a now, we've got a little pullback here. The story still completely intact, in my opinion, for solar going into 2021, especially when you consider you got Biden coming in. Um, I think you buy the pullback if you're underinvested in solar. So, yeah, I don't know I if mean, it's Jinko, I know obviously you know, the Chinese plays, you go the other, you know, you can go, you know, so the first solars you can go to tan if you don't want to try to pick the go. individual yep. stocks enph has been a great one despite obviously had some uh, 
uh, issues there. I forget who, who the, it was who the a short seller was. Pression, but, pression point. Pression yeah, was a that was a buying opportunity. And SEDG has been another one that's been great. It's kind of been sleepy here. It hasn't made new highs like some of the other ones does because maybe it got a little bit overdone back in September when it ran from 180 to 300. But I still like all the solar stocks. So uh, I'm long t- a few of them. I'm long yeah. Sun Power. I'm long. I'm long. I'm long three or four of them. Um, I want to be long more. <laughs> Little bit of a pullback. I'm looking at tan and uh, you know eighty eighty three. I mean matching lows on the downside. So you at uh, eighty eighty seven. This doesn't. Uh, these get above eighty three. That's what I'm looking at for the next leg. And uh, in the solar ETF, uh, Invesco T. Two more symbols. Two more sure. symbols. Let's go. We'll let you take the first one. Uh, Skyworks, SWKS. We asked about that one a while ago. Apple Parts Supplier, great day on Friday. I don't know what happened on Friday, but it was a sleep. I wish I would have saw this on Thursday. I, think it was an I love those. I think it was oh, was it? I love those three little highs, and then obviously you're in blast off zone. So now you know. Now you can see the trend it wants to. Obviously, I would be a buyer of pullbacks here now. So you're back to 147. If you get at 148, I think um, you could end up making a run for this one towards the end of the year. Again, depends on Apple as well. I mean, all the Apple suppliers like to look to Apple for leadership too. I believe Apple is going to, somebody was asking me about it just a couple days ago, and I think I even talked about it on the show, but I'm long Apple. It's in consolidation station here for the last couple of days too. I think you're going to see mega, mega tech get hot again here. It's been kind of forgotten for the last month or two where a lot of Apple and Amazon and, and, you know, Netflix, you really haven't done much. Google's been running. But I think you're going to start to see a run into megatech here and towards the end of the year, too, as long as the market obviously holds up. Uh, well, for SWKS, you want it to hold the closing price. And then I just saw I could give you another target. It's a minor target uh, going back to uh, 151.89. That was your high on November 11th. So patiently wait for that. You want to always hold the closing price. And if it goes red, it's hard to pick an intermediate level here because 145 you might not be seeing that for a while for apple i'll just give you the uh the close on the uh split day i always like to refer to that and i know it's i think it was 124.40 but that's back in the um uh, going back to August, right? Was that you had the bump up after that? But one, let's just go short term here. One twenty five would be the area of the next daily double top in Apple. One twenty five eighteen. One twenty five thirty nine. All right, one your- more stock and not a thousand numbers we're gonna no give thousand? a couple numbers okay. that was a lot of numbers joel you got joel starts going and he starts giving numbers man 125 guy uh, i'll give you one number you give me one number that's next it time. one number one number let's because, do two more tickers one number each because she said please we'll ask about tesla from lauren in the mint i just think it's going higher and, and you're okay so your number and joel probably goes 60780 that's the number what does it do there that's the high from five days ago can it take it out the story is still intact and people think it's going to run into the ad. I think it continues to go higher. Uh, and I'll just give you the old time closing price for my number. And that would be the old time closing high price is survey says, come on survey. The old time closing high price is five ninety nine oh four. Long so, above that, Joel stays bullish. I'll go with that. Stay above five nine. I don't want to see it come back down through that number. And then uh, KBH, KB Homes. I believe we get Toll Brothers after the close. After the close today. Yeah. So you're dependent on that toll earnings. All these home builders move together. They've been quiet. The home builders have been in an environment where obviously interest rates have been very low for them. They've been, you know, people moving from apartments into homes. It's been a great environment for them. And with that being said, the stocks haven't performed that great. So that is somewhat concerning. It seems like these companies always come out and beat. I would expect toll to be beat again. A lot of times what you see is toll brother, the home builder rips on the earnings, goes up five, 6% on the initial number. And then there's no other buyers. Then it leaks it and ends up closing red the next day. We've seen this again and again with the home builders over the course of the last year. So I don't know if that trend changes. I think they beat. I think it rallies and I think it gives it back. I'm just going with that with toll. KB Homes will follow suit. Uh, splitting the highs from the last two sessions, uh, and that would put you at 3520. That's your next stop uh, on a rally. That's resistance. We only could give one number. If I would give, if I gave support, 
the one number would be <laughs> 33. To to, no, he can't stop himself. It's addiction 32. You got to give two sides of the market, bro. All right. That's it. That's it. All right. I want to remind I thought you. that we don't sell stocks. I thought oh. the market doesn't sell stocks anymore. <laughs> um, I want to remind you all that the, the Benzinga Small Cap Conference is this week. It's tomorrow and Wednesday. I'm putting the link in the chat to sign up for that. And we see presentations from several dozen small cap companies and get here directly from the CEOs there. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Gil Morales. Thanks to all of you in our chats. Hit that like button on YouTube. We appreciate that. It takes a fraction of a second and it does help us out. So thank you to all of you who have done that. Thanks to all those comments. I know we didn't get to uh, as many tickers as we would have liked. So we'll get to more of them at the 340 show. I promise that we usually devote half if not more than half of that show uh to tickers so uh that'll be at the close that's it for us please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes not for investing or trading advice dennis is gone which means we're gone. gone everyone have a good day good luck we'll talk to you at the close When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.